Wait, you hate what? No. Why do you hate her? She I didn't seems say very nice. <laughs> Shut up. I was I was oh. I was motioning to Anne. I was just motioning and I said do Joe first. Oh, I thought you said <laughs> I hate Joe first. No. Oh. Stop it, Mark. Oh, I was, <laughs> a little wow, drama, Mark. A little drama here today. Mark's just trying fight. to stir some shit up. <laughs> Cut it out. Greetings, Savory Inferiors, and welcome to Vampire Insider, the unofficial podcast dedicated to recapping and reacting to AMC The Mortal Universe, including Interview with the Vampire and the Mayfair Witches. With both shows in hiatus, our co-hosts Christina LaRusso, Joanne Palumbo, and myself, Mark Snedeker, are engaging in fun discussions of vampire lore, deeper dives into the themes of the shows, and bringing in some special guests with particular expertise in and passion for the works of Anne Rice. Today, we're going to be continuing our discussion of episode one in Throws of Increasing Wonder, talking about these characters in terms of identity. Uh, greetings, Christina LaRusso. Greetings, Joanne Palumbo. Hi, Mark. Hi, Joanne. Hello, guys. How's it going? Well, it's fine. It's good. We're so glad to have you back. I know. We had, we've missed you the last Technical couple of weeks. difficulties be damned. That's yeah. right. We've really been scuffling. So. We have. In your absence, we've gotten so many great comments from people who've been saying really wonderful things about us and someone posted that we cheer up their days they're, right. they're and i think they're mostly talking to me no okay. they were talking they, they mentioned you I, and no they meant me yes yeah. they did they mentioned did. you and joanne joe i want to get yeah. your response because you were not able to join us on the episode where we responded to the shocking news of Bailey Bass leaving the show and being replaced by Delaney Hales. Joe, what do you think of this news? I can sum it up in two words. Fucking bullshit. <laughs> oh, so, you're gonna, so, so you chose violence this today. <laughs> did, yeah. No, I'm pissed. I'm pissed. Here's what pisses me off, probably more than anything. Right? I think the whole, you know, Anne Rice immortal universe we were sitting here kind of all secretly, and maybe everybody won't admit it, but I know you all were, praying that Alexandra Daddario would get replaced. And somehow our request got a little jumbled in the universe, and it was answered, but whoever's on the receiving end of that message misheard us all and fucked us, and now Bailey Bass has been replaced. Well, that's what happens um, when you make these wishes out into the universe, and it's like a game of yeah. telephone. It goes from angel to angel right. to angel, and by the time it gets it's to the a, Lord, uh, it's mm -hmm. all ma it's all mangled up. It was just a whole big screw mm -hmm. up, and here we are. But no, I'm I'm not happy with it because I really, really, really love Bailey's performance and the dynamic that the three of them have. Um, I know Christina, you had said like with them being theater kids that they can really work with anybody, right? I, I remember we had that conversation about it. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's true, but for me as a viewer, I just don't know. I mean, the material is good. We've got our Louie and our Lestat. They're not going anywhere, hopefully. So I hope it works. The material is strong enough. The cast mm -hmm. it otherwise is strong enough. I will miss Bailey, but I think it will be okay. To me, I'm just now curious about like what caused it. She said it was due to a variety of unforeseen circumstances. Yeah. 
to me, anytime, I, I don't know, I just think it would have said a scheduling conflict. That's what I thought, yeah. too. That's, That's what I did That's why there's say. a possibility that it's she was a bad girl or... They maybe, were bad. Maybe she, yeah, she just to not... can't get along with somebody on set. Yeah. You know, who knows? D- I, well, w- I want the tea. That's I know. I know I, I I'm going to find the tea. I want the tea. All right, get on that. Thank you for weighing in on that, Joe. I just was dying to hear uh, what your thoughts were, and I know that some of our listeners were curious as well because I, they know that you will give the unvarnished <laughs> truth. <laughs> the uncensored truth. I, just, I don't like change, but we'll see. Let's begin our discussion about Louis and his identity, which obviously he has a bit of an arc there in episode one. So I'd like to start the discussion about Louis and the concept of identity and his identity with our favorite Jersey girl, Joanne. I'm just going to talk about, I guess, Louis's identity as a whole. And, you know, just kind of like, a, I guess, a hot take on it would be there's a lot of material and a lot of digging and, and layers to him. And You know, there's the concept of, you know, in terms of his identity, his sexuality, being a black man growing up in that time frame that he did in Jim Crow and him identifying as a vampire now. So there's lots and lots of different layers. Also, his identity as a businessman, a black businessman, hiding his sexuality and all the horrible things that that encompasses on a person's mind. I think with Louis probably going to be one of our biggest areas, you know, kind of the biggest onion to peel back all the different layers on. I'm excited to really dive into all his different issues that he has. I mean, obviously in this one episode, you see Louis's identity. I mean, he has an established identity, but it really totally changes by the end of the episode, right? He has this huge character swing while he still has some characteristics that carry over from the beginning to the end huge, huge character swing. If I recall correctly, at the beginning of the episode, he was still discussing his homosexuality as, was it inclinations? Late, late, these latencies that I had. So, but, and he's visiting Lily in an attempt to kind of, she's basically his beard at this point, right? Mm -hmm. But he's, he's, I, I don't know whether he's trying to convince himself or just convince others. So he has that part of his identity that, uh, we see change somewhat by the end of the episode. We also have, of course, his identity as a criminal, a crime boss, right? He's running these illegal enterprises. He's got to be a badass on the street. We also see his identity as a provider for his family, a protector. As a brother. Yeah, protector. That. That's right. Protector of his brother, except when he has to pull a knife on him. And then obviously his identity as a black man in the Jim Crow era South. And then, of course, his identity as a human being, which changes very dramatically by the end of the show, where now he's goes from living to dead real quick. Exactly. I mean, that's the the deep, and that's the first. That's the (laughs) exactly. Well, you know, powerful is never. I've done worse, Louis. I've done worse for the deep. I don't know that anyone. Yeah, I don't know that anyone's ever died for mine. So maybe I'm doing something wrong. (laughs) I doubt it. Um, But that's the first question Daniel asks him. When did you die? Mm -hmm. So he has this huge transition from living human to undead vampire. So that's a big journey in 53 minutes you you all have hit upon sort of the major big points of it yeah and i guess what i'd like to do is zero in because there's 
a couple of things that Louis says during the interview part yeah. when he's talking to Daniel in Dubai that yep that, that struck me, and one of those things is truth and reconciliation. One of the big questions, and I think we all should have this question watching this show, is why is he doing this interview? Yeah, and especially you know when you bring Rash- who we knew in this episode is Rashid, who we know now is Armand. Yeah, you've got that there. Mm-hmm. That's like what's a, he doing? What's there? going on? And then we have this whole question of what on earth is this interview about? Why are why is Louis doing this? And, and Daniel asks him. Louis says, "Well, I've changed. I've changed." And that is the biggest and most significant thing about Louis as a character in this is how very much we do see him his identity change. We see his 2023 identity. We see his 1910 identity and we start to see things in between. We see, we, you know, eventually in the show, we see his 1970s identity, but he is, he says to Daniel, part of what is happening, part of the reason that he is doing this is truth and reconciliation. And that really struck me this time around as I was rewatching. I was a big liar before. Well, Yes, but do you know what? I think you're still a big liar now, but okay. I mean, it's something is, we don't know the truth of what is going on. Right. We don't know why this interview is happening. We know what he's saying, but he says truth and reconciliation. And I, that meant something. And I started thinking about, okay, well, what truth and reconciliation, what is that? Do you all know what, a, what truth and reconciliation commissions do? Oh, they go back and sort through the history to see what the truth of the war or event was is that correct right okay so truth and reconciliation commissions a lot of times these are to do with for instance in canada a truth and reconciliation commission is in charge of teasing out the truth of what happened between first nation people right and the confrontation with colonialism right right? try to give you an unvarnished white unwhitewashed look Right. right so truth and reconciliation commissions investigate past abuses listen to the experiences of victims and perpetrators and seek to repair the social fabric damaged by violence. Well, there you go. So Louis is saying at the outset that this interview is a way to listen to the experience of victims and perpetrators. And I'm sure that he is, you know, both, both, right? (laughs) Like there's, it's all mixed up. So victims and perpetrators and seek to repair the social fabric that's damaged, that's, that was damaged here. So what is wow, that? Wow, you know what? I wish we would have picked up on this at the very beginning because I, my my mind is racing like a million miles right now. So I'm like trying to like think of the whole series so far. And it's just like, what, like everything is starting to like flash in my head. Like this is a really big moment that you just uncovered, I think. Let's, you know, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. She's very, she has Stop a it, very no, easily this, inflated this is, ego. <laughs> That's not true. One of us does. <laughs> but isn't that no, interesting? No, but really think about that. Okay. Makes a lot more sense. Right. Now. But here's what I think that we ought to do then is if we are thinking about Louis and his identity, is he reconciling with himself? Is he reconciling with Lestat, with Claudia, with the ghost of Claudia? We don't know where this falls. It could be that he's thinking. I think it's a little bit of everything. Yeah, could be everything. Yeah. With Daniel, 
Knowing Louie, it's a more of an internal struggle, right? He's perfectly fine with some good self-flagellation, you know, because he'll beat himself up over being a killer, being a devil, being a, a murderer, uh, treating Claudia poorly, etc. But I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all if it's also other inspired as well. So let's talk about Louie in that context. You both mentioned the many roles that he played in 1910 New Orleans when we first when we go back and we first meet him and he's telling this story about okay I was a rougher thing then you keep calling him a pimp and I know that that we uh, that other I actually called him a crime boss a crime boss I think it's too simple to refer to him as a pimp he's not exactly a pimp he's a business owner right okay but what kind of business does he own? But he, right? Okay. Dens of iniquity. I guess. But he says he, if you listen to how he described it, and maybe this is because he struggles with the idea that he was a pimp, yeah. but he's not calling himself that. He is saying, I owned, I, I dealt in desires or pleasures or whatever right, right. he says. That's and my business. He was a purveyor of those right. things. Whatever people wanted, which could have been gambling. He was a pimp. Yeah. Okay, but he was also, but see, I think that it is more along. He had a cane. I, I know, but it doesn't matter. Like he had to have that because yeah. it, it was dangerous. He, he on, pulled on up Liberty. wearing a leopard skin coat. No, he did not. Yeah, like he That's didn't true. have a pimp walk, which was disappointing. But he did I mean, some pimp ass dancing. No, God, yeah. come on. All right, but he realizes that what he's doing probably is not. On the up and up, he says it right. in in this time in the electric lights of this time. Right. Having gone through the Jim Crow South, there were only certain things that he could Correct. do. We're not shaming him. Oh, no, I know you're that. not shaming him, but I'm saying so. This is what, what would you like to call him a club owner? No, I don't know. I just don't like the term pimp. I think maybe not crime boss either, because that's bigger than I think what I don't he was. Know what you heard about me? He's struggling with his business persona. I think you're struggling with his business persona. Well, he yeah. is. He is too. Oh, you're right there with him. Both of us yeah. are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not not to belabor that point. But when he does his confession at the end, one of the things that he confesses to is shame in putting girls out onto the street. He says, I take girls without homes. I put them to work. And I put them to work. And I, I, I tell myself that it's okay because I put dollars in their pocket, but that's not okay what I've done. It, he's doing something that he's not proud of necessarily, but he knows that it's something that he has to do in order to support his family, which that is expected of him as the guy who is the executor of his family's estate. Now, his mother has this illusion that he's going to eventually get them into legitimate businesses, right? It's like, Louis just doing what he has to do now until we can go legitimate. Do you think that that's something that she's putting on him, or do you think that that's an aspiration that he has? I think it's both. I think she's putting it on him. Paul is definitely exerting pressure because they are a Catholic family, Mm -hmm. right? Now, Louis does not seem particularly religious, but he's still in that tradition. When he was in trouble, he ran to the church. Mm -hmm. I think he, in his mind, would like to say, yeah, when if things change, I would like to be, you know, I'd like to have a different life, can run a club without running girls and gambling or whatever. But it seems to suit him, at least in that period of time. He, He seems to be good at it. He's looking to increase his holdings, not shed them. They're asking him to come in partnership with him on this other club. And he's not saying, no, I don't want to do it. He's like, give me a bigger share. So he's not running from it that fast. No, he's not. And maybe because yeah, I agree he feels. I with, with your point about, about him. But I think the mom, that's just a lie. 
she's telling herself. I don't know that she's really pressuring him. Well, I think that that's just a lie she tells herself because remember, she was like, oh, Louis is going to get us into a bigger house. Yeah. You know, and I think she's all about status. And isn't that really the dream of all gangsters? I mean, think about the Corleones, right? Get their mama house? No. Go oh. legit. Go legit. Yeah, you're right. Use, use all your crime money to fund mm-hmm. legitimate enterprises and then try to escape that illegal life. Now, it's even harder for Louis than it would be for the Corleones. Because he's a black man. Because he's a black man. He has limited, he can't open up a steel mill, probably. Right. You know, I'm with you on that. Yeah. I'm with you so far. So there's that tension. So there's this tension between what he maybe wants to do and what he has to do, right? For a living, to support the family. Okay. Then let's talk about he is respected and he is also disrespected. So let's talk about that. Part of what he does, he gets some respect on uh, Liberty Street because he, or in the, in Storyville, generally in Storyville, he is, how does he get, how is that, how do we see that? Number one, um, he runs his businesses. Obviously, he gets some respect from that. The people that work for him clearly must respect him. They may try to cheat him, (laughs) but they, you know, generally he is a respected guy. Secondly, he is allowed into the fair play. Yes. And that is a big deal. That's a that's a yeah. that's a big deal. So you see that uh, he he has interactions with successful white people that mm-hmm. are kind of in the same industry as he is. Yeah, he is allowed into the fair play. That's a big deal. He plays cards with Tom Anderson and his right. cronies. He is looked upon as a good person of color yeah which well, is and i you think know. that's really well illustrated by that one early scene where they're like you know you have to come to the club because this guy got hit in the head with a beer bottle mm-hmm. right so when he comes in the guy's sitting there wounded he yells at the girl you know she explains what mm-hmm. the transgression was and um better catfish dinner that's <laughs> yeah, i was trying to avoid that um <laughs> But, and he's there kind of, you know, assessing the situation and everything. And the guy yells at him and hurls an epithet at him. Yep. And then he's like, oh, it's Louie. Mm-hmm. It's cringy, but the, he's trying to put a little respect on his name, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. At the same time, he's still being racist as hell. It's like they tolerate him and that he's almost like a novelty to them. Right. See later on the way the lawyer treats him and how that worked right. out for him. You know, like, remember when he, when he had the idea about the balcony and the lawyer, I can't remember now exactly what he said, but basically like, oh, look at you. You're smart. You're cute. You know? Right. Like, yeah, yeah. You're a credit really just, credit to your race. You're a yeah. credit to your race, well, right? And, like and that's yes, yeah, that, yeah, that was what he yeah, that, which is which is such a well, and that's one of the things that white horrible. people in America have always done, where we think we're being so enlightened by holding up an African American for credit, any and, minority. Yeah, any minority, but it's really. kind of this like here's a safe one, and basically what they mean is. They seem more white, even though that doesn't really mean anything in the real world. No. You know what they mean when they say that. Right, right, right. right. So, right. We're, we're just talking about it from a 1920s perspective, not from where it's even more horrible. years later where yeah. we, we don't look at people that way. Yeah. Right. So he is respected enough that he is in these locations. He is also disrespected. So in those same places... When he goes to the card game, and we were talking about how they said you you should go in and be a business partner here. Recognizing his expertise. But then 
underpaying him. Yeah, and then be like, you know, you'll be grateful for 15% or whatever. Ten, well, they wanted to start out ten. at 10%. Yeah. And who backs them up? Lestat. Lestat. Lestat says, well, there, you know, there has to be capital, but they're also, you know, the, yeah. so where, where's the capital coming yeah. from? He's so he's the Adam Smith argument. He sides on the side of capital, but th so there's respect, but also disrespect. And there are a couple of times in this, in this episode where Lestat says things that, yeah. that foreshadow what we learn later is going to be the case that Lestat is insensitive to the intricacies of race relations and what that means for Louis to be. Well, to be fair to Lestat, he's insensitive to everything. Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not, yeah, no, 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 I, I get it. And, and this isn't me trying to bash Lestat, although I do think it's important to call out that, that he does this. But anyway, okay, so Louis, and he has to face a certain amount of disrespect from his mom, her saying Oh well, eventually Louis will get us into yeah. a better business. We'll get right. you know. Eventually, it'll be clean. Yeah, you know, which is is you know, be grateful that your son is doing what right. he's doing and and allowing you he's to paying your bills. He is right. <laughs> so this is if you're relying on him, be supportive of what he's doing. Yeah. Um, additionally, she blames him fully for what happens to Paul. Yeah, and gives him a very hard time about that. And we all know it was the checker cake <laughs> it was, it was start in some ways maybe yeah um and we had that conversation last last episode about this well i mean paul definitely is very critical of his brother you know who by the way this brother who does really try to look out for his for paul mm -hmm. right i mean he he recognizes that paul has a lot of challenges in the material world here mm -hmm. And he does try to look out for his brother, and he provides for him. Well, he's Paul. very caring of him outside of Storyville, right. right? When when you see him and they're walking, and so that's the highlight of his day is spending his time with Paul, and yep. you know the dance they do at the wedding and stuff like that. You can tell that they have a, a tight knit bond, but also don't fuck with my business, right. day, you know. Don't come down to Storyville preaching. So that's got to be, you know, a difficult situation for him to have been in, too. You Bit know, like. Tight rope. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's going to be. The only one who didn't seem to have an issue with the business was his sister, ironically. Well, she's getting that round the world trip. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. True. Like, true. But you, you know what? Maybe prostitution woman, isn't so bad. Well, no, but I don't know. You would think as a young woman, you know, I mean, obviously the, the women that he's putting out are her peers. Well, you know, I would just, I would bet dollars to donuts that if they revealed that character further, she does not see those women as her. Those are lower maybe. class women. They're down and out. Mm -hmm. She's a wealthy, as things go, more cultured, respectable, respectable, respectable. Woman. Yeah, but she seems to be more bothered being called bothered more being called a Mayfair witch than having you know her wealth and status come off of literally the backs of women the both the mother and the sister kind of close their eyes to things they do not wish to acknowledge right to make their existence okay to make everything yeah. square with what they're doing and i think people and that's why i don't think that the mom was pressuring louie in like like a, a way you would a traditional way you would think like i don't think he's getting ready for work and the mom's sitting there giving him shit like when are you going to be legit i don't i don't think any of that was happening i don't think they cared as long as they were keeping up appearances and the money was coming in don't knock rationalizations <laughs> everybody needs a juicy yeah, i don't know anybody who can't get through the day without one or two juicy, juicy rationalizations, rationalizations. <laughs> thank you big chill um so here i would like to change it up just a little bit okay and bring up 
Another way I think we can look and maybe talk about uh, Louis here. Okay. So let's start. Let's take a look at the puzzle Daniel is putting together in the first scene. Originally thought to be by Hieronymus Bosch. Turns out it was by Bruegel. And the name of the painting is The Fall of the Rebel Angels. Yes. And it just basically depicts exactly what we're talking about, right? The angels being cast out of heaven. Mm -hmm. So that's not there by accident. We talked about it as in relation to Daniel, but right. now so we're So do mm -hmm. you think Louis would look at his transition in episode one as a fall? And a fall, not not that he would claim that he was an angel, but a fall from grace where he became he was a man, he's providing for his family, and now he is a blood drinking fiend. Do you think hundred percent he would look at it that way? Yeah. Lestat would see it as an upgrade where Louis sees it as a total downgrade. Do you know who else would see it as an upgrade? Me. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> Christina, I know you're kind of raising your eyebrows, so tell me your thoughts on it. Um, I think that yes, of course, this is some this is this is Louis's eternal struggle, right? That right. he his loss of humanity. I think that his Catholic identity plays into this yeah. quite a bit. Now apply Truth and reconciliation to that, okay. because truth and reconciliation commissions are they're they're searching for the truth, right. and they're looking to hear from the victims and the perpetrators. And I am telling you that Louis, in his mind, is a victim in this. Yeah, he thinks I something think that happened he is a, to him. This happened to me, yeah. and he talks about that throughout the episode. He well. The one point that I'm really remembering is when he is describing how, you know, the, the, it, it's the scene in that you, you see Louis at the opera and he says, I was being hunted. And I didn't, I didn't I realize it. it. Yeah. I had no idea I was being hunted. He is the prey. He is the victim in this. Yeah. Lestat, in this telling of it, right? It, Lestat is the predator and he is the yeah. one that is coming after him. He's not wrong about that. But what he is seeming to forget is that he went to that church talking to the priest, looking after having had kind of a distancing, you mentioned it, yeah. he had a distancing from his religion, from his Catholic identity. But in his time of real strife here, he turns to the church yeah. and looks for some kind of help or salvation. He's saying to the priest, I want to die. I want to die. Yeah. And Lestat, in that amazing scene in the church where Lestat and Louis have that, that confrontation, and Lestat says, I can give you that death that you right. long for. And in giving you that death, in the same way that, you know, like, if you if you look at it from a religious, eschatological perspective, you would have uh, death and then eternal salvation right. after probably some time in purgatory. Yeah, <laughs> work off they the, always do that Work too. off some of the sin. But so you would have death and then salvation. It, what Lestat is saying is, I can give you that death. And then you will live this most amazing life. It's a right. different kind of eternal salvation. Right. But it is a dark gift. And Louis says yes. yes. He chose it. That's he right. chooses it. He woke he, up and chose vampirism. He chooses it. So is he a victim? So he is looking at this. I am almost 100% sure that Louis is looking at this and in this retelling, telling the story of victimhood. Here is where I was. He's altering it from the 73 story that he told where he's like angry, angry at Lestat. In this, he's saying, you know, he was my coal fire in the in the winter and all the rest. He's talking about falling in love with him. Yeah. But also 
he's still the victim. He is the yeah. victim in this. And so it's an interesting narrative, especially when you put it back into that framework of truth and reconciliation. So in the framework that I was discussing, rather the Bruegel painting, mm-hmm. the fall of the rebel angels, those angels had already made a choice. They weren't victims of the fall. Although maybe they'll make the argument they were seduced by Lucifer. Do you think Louis sees it more where he was more or less a good guy and was becoming a monster happened to him, right? He was victimized by that, and now he's a monster. I don't I don't know if he'll ever be able to accept his responsibility and his role he played in this new existence that he had. Like Christina had said, he said yes. And I know that goes back to our conversation about consent. And can you really consent to something if you don't understand the, you know, the repercussions of accepting something like that? While maybe he didn't understand it, there was still always a way out. There's a loophole. He could have just went outside and burst yeah. into the sun and died. If he was if he was really that distraught about the monster he had become, he could have ended it. And he chose not to. When he knew what the situation was, he still stayed in it. So as much as he likes to be a victim, I'll give him a little bit of that. But I don't think he's, he's a victim. I don't. Kind of going off of your point, Joe, about... How could he consent if he didn't really know what what it was all about? If you look at that scene, Lestat is promising him the world and saying, you're yeah. going to have, this is going to be, you're going to have all of these hats that you wear, that you try to juggle. That's all, all of the need for that is going to go away. I'm going to give you this the dark best hat. Yeah. Lestat wasn't lying. Well, but I think Lestat was not understanding that one of the big hats, one of the big things that Louis deals with is his the confrontations around his race? Yeah, and that right, and, right, exactly. right. Yeah, that 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 is situation. No matter whether he's a vampire or not, he's still going to be dealt a shitty hand. I think maybe in Lestat's mind, though, he thought, well, just eat him. Yeah, he was very dismissive of that because, like us, he couldn't put himself in Louis' shoes as a black man. There would be right. no way that, for Lestat to do that. That I, I do get. But I get Louis. I mean, Lestat's point of right. Well, you could just kill them. But you would. That, but you would agree, that. though, that Louis thinks he's a victim. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. think Louis that Louis Louis identifies yeah, as a victim. And I mean, I, not as bad as Book Louis, thank God. But yeah. yeah. So I think the one thing you can always say about Louis is that it's always a dichotomy. It's always a duality. He is trying to be a good guy, but he's also a crime boss. He wants to be a good person, but he's also eating people. Then he wants to say, well, I don't really eat people anymore, even though I ate like thousands of them. It's kind of like a a vegan saying, I'm just only on Fridays going to eat a single cheeseburger instead of a double because he's still feeding off of people, right? And these people are there to serve him. But so it's always a dichotomy with Louis. You know, he's always struggling against at least two natures, if mm-hmm. not more. Mm-hmm. Do I want to be a vampire? Well, clearly, because I didn't walk into the sun um, at any point in the last, you know, 100 years. But I hate it. You know, I hate uh, I hate that, you know, I have to be a monster. Uh, but I do love having superpowers. So that's always nice. But then, so, you know what? Everything you're describing was humanly, too. Yeah. Well, okay. And that's what I want to get to. I think it's fair to say that Louis, as a human which is what we mostly see of Louis in episode yeah. one, except for the interview, Louis. But 
even as a human, Louis was deep in the grips of an identity crisis. No doubt. He was, he well, was hiding his sexuality from himself. Right. And we haven't even talked about his sexuality, which we really have yeah. to talk about. Well, let's do it. But We're running out of time. Do you think that identity crisis made him more susceptible to be made into a vampire? Yeah, like you said, Christina, because Lestat was laying out this wonderful life and how he, like you said, he wouldn't have to wear all those different hats and he could just be himself, blah, blah, blah. I don't think Louis realized that meant, well, you could just kill anybody who pisses you off or disrespects you. Right. Um, I mean, that's my approach. <laughs> so I do that now. Yeah. Empire yeah. <laughs> be damned. Well, I think it's very clear that one of the great motivating forces in Louis's life is a crisis of meaning. Yeah. Right? He is struggling with who am I? Can I, am I, you know, I'm a gay man but I'm going to fight against that nature, right? I'm a black man in a white man's world and you know I want to be, you know, be able to be the businessman I know I can be, but I'm restricted. I want to take care of my family, but they're also grinding me down a bit, mm-hmm. right? And getting in my way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's clearly having and he, you know, I'm doing all these things that would be categorized by the church as sinful, but when I'm in trouble, where do I go? Mm-hmm. I go to the church. So he's having this that's a typical Catholic. Well, yeah, you of course. Know. You know, ca- cafeteria, <laughs> cafeteria Catholics. Yeah. It's like, oh, is this that day where the Lord is risen? I better go back to church for the first time in 12 months. <laughs> better uh, confess. So he's constantly struggling with that. And someone who is struggling with their own identity is always susceptible to what, Christina? Cults. That's exactly right. And what's cultier than being, you know, sucked into the life of vampirism, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think that's, you know, a very reasonable story arc for someone who's struggling like that. And I think the, I think the writers did a good job of illustrating his struggle without making it overly whiny and navel gazing, right? Because he still has some strong moments you know, especially when he's exercising his business acumen, but he clearly is struggling with who am I? What's my place in the world? Well, here's a, a brand new place in the world where you can have some superpowers. Where you can, where the, all of this, and, and it's not even made clear to him. He doesn't say to him, these oh, are yeah. the superpowers that but you're he knows going that to have. But he knows he, he sees what Lestat has done. Lestat just ripped the head off of two priests. I mean, like, right. I don't think Louis was in a position to ask questions at that moment either. No, no. I mean, he he knew what, you know, he kind of saw what this was. And he says to him, it's you. You're the one that's killing these people. There's no fever and there's no right. mysterious fever. You're that. That's you. Let's talk about his his sexuality for a bit, and that may be the way to kind of wrap up, because I think that that is it's a big shift from the book where this is made extremely clear. Right. They leaned into the gay. They really did, and and rightfully so. Oh, they yeah. They should have. They made the subtext Different times, right? right? So he is struggling with that. He admits that he's struggling, he, that at that time he struggled with it. He says, I've obviously come to terms with my sexuality. Well, you know that. We met in a gay bar, Daniel. That's right. He's like, what? Are you sure? <laughs> you know oh, I was we, just trying to score, man. When we talked about Daniel, we didn't talk about his potential sexuality, right, right. but that might be a conversation for another another uh, episode. But anyway, this is a part of who he is. Obviously, with Lestat, he falls in love with Lestat. Yeah. Lestat makes that possible for yeah. him. There is that that Lestat does, right? Like he does make that possible for him. And when he says to Louis, 
you know, I love you. And Louis says, for the first time, I felt seen. Let's talk a little bit about that. You know, I love you. I saw your beautiful face. I right. love you. This is all very emotionally charged. And, and Louis has said earlier in the episode, he found it very difficult to share emotionally with men besides Paul. Lestat was the first a man he could share emotionally and really unload right. his issues and talk to him about what was going on in his life. He's falling in love with him. Right. Well, it, he had a little bit of disadvantage. Uh, earlier on in that all the other men he had talked to did not have psychic powers, right? And <laughs> well, could, could whisper into his brain before he got turned and uh, follow him around and help him win at cards, you know? Okay, but let's talk about that part of his identity and yeah. how crucial that is to his decision to say yes. Because in that scene in the church, it's wild and, and death and grim, but it is also romantic. It's almost like a wedding between them. It's, seriously, it is a romantic scene. Yeah. How much of his sort of saying to Louis, I'll be this with you. This is yeah. going to be us. We're going to have this relationship. So what is? how does that figure into Louis' decision to say yes to the dark gift? Well, I think that when you're in these crises, there does or there can come a moment where you're driven to just, it's either despair or a decision. Well, it was a decision made out of despair, right? Absolutely. So he really felt like I have two choices. I can let this guy kill me or I can embrace this part of myself that I've been struggling with for so long. The show, that episode was all kind of building and building and building to that final scene, mm -hmm. right? Which I think the show runners did a very good job of Brilliant. building that tension and the drama to that, to that final scene. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it's a crisis point. He couldn't just be wishy-washy at that point. You're, you know, things, the stakes are just too high at that point. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know what, this is what I'm, my heart is now telling me to do. I have all these feelings for this guy. And it's just, it was so overwhelming that it overcame his previous reluctance and objections. Mm -hmm. Do you buy that? Yeah, I do. But he did kill him. Well, yes, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. Kill him, kill the him. The final death. For yeah. real, kill him or yeah. kill him and give him the, the death that he wanted. Right. After which there's this salvation where you get to be your real self, Louis. You get to be you and it's going to be wonderful. He sold him a bill of goods that were not exactly well described. And one, obviously one of the you know bigger ones was about like their relationship and how it would be easier for them. And I guess it was in terms of this was his first full-blown relationship, right? Like we know something happened with him and Faith Guy, but that was just probably like a, another swamp encounter. So I'm sure in that moment in the church, that ran through his mind of the idea of being with Lestat in a way that he could never be his true self before. And now he can, but only at home, you know, and kind of still hidden. So, yeah. And now we're kind of beating up on Lestat a little bit for selling, you know, quote unquote, selling him a bill of goods. But look, yeah. when you're starting to date anybody, are you going to lead with all the flaws and drawbacks of dating you? If you are, I suspect that's not going to work that great. You're going to shine yourself up. You're going to make a sales Probably pitch and tell them all the best things about dating you. I'm not trying to beat up on Lestat. I'm just trying to say in this framework of truth and reconciliation, if we're going to go and look for where the fabric of this universe has been torn or ruptured or where you know violent acts have occurred, where, where issues that need to be mended yeah. in the reconciliation portion of it. Right. I think this has to be one of them where Louis will has kind of a legitimate complaint that you know Lasat 
you didn't really tell me what this right. was going to be about. And Lestat in the book is always very much like, I'm going to give you the choice that I never right. had. Because right. Lestat was, was turned, just taken. he was yeah. just taken. He yeah. was just. Because he, he had a look. Yeah, because it was the blonde guy. Because he was the wolf killer, you yeah. know? And he was just taken and turned. He was never given that choice. And that's a big thing for Lestat through, yeah. throughout. That's a big thing for Lestat. I was never given that choice. Louis, I'm going to give you that choice. Right. I think that he would say, well, I'm, I gave you that choice. He didn't really give him the real truth you know he right. so so there is Again, that that's just, but it's that'll be poor marketing but it though. would be well i mean you know you, you look yeah i mean fair enough but i mean like if i'm sending you a picture of me i'm picking the best one well, of course anybody would do that i'm not saying yeah. that listat is they're, they're sending the best picture mark but then let's want to talk about it in 23 terms right they're sending your best pick and then they're filtering the shit out of your that's pick. right oh i would definitely and do that too yeah let's, yeah let you well you should yeah. And Lestat heavily filtered. You get all the superpowers. You can do anything you want now. Right, yeah. A lot oh, of by the way, you can no longer walk in the day. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, yeah everything is going to change. Because remember, of course, you know, Louis's first response is, I'm getting out of here. I got to go back. I've got to yeah. check on Paul. He says, I got to check on Paul and Grace. Right. Well, right. Paul's dead. We we yeah. still don't know if that's an error or if that right. is actually. Right, that was strange, yeah. But his Initial reaction is, I've got to get home. I want yeah. to go home. And Lestat, all Lestat does, he closes the door behind him and says, well, that's going to be difficult. See how that works. Yeah. Right. Lestat says and believes that he that there was a choice. There wasn't. And I think this is one of the ruptures that has to be reconciled. I think that if Louis is looking for a way to get right within himself, let's say that this is all just an internal exercise for Louis. This is one of the areas of rupture that really has to be explored. Uh, and I'm not sure that he's done it yet in, in this interview. I think we're going to need the vampire Lestat season three to yeah. be able to really kind of sift through the, the wreckage. One question Louis has to answer for himself is knowing what you know now, would you do it again? Would you take the gift? And that's a great question. And is he not exploring that question by using Daniel. Right, kind of doing a do-over with Daniel. Offer, yeah. yeah, offering him the gift after telling him, you know, here's the pluses and minuses as I see them now. You know, you're sick, you're dying. Do Would you take the gift? I can take this all away from you. Right. I can get, oh man, maybe that is what so this is So is about. that really, he's trying to answer that question is... Maybe, right? Or maybe he he's already decided that it's great being a vampire because you're super rich and sexy and stuff. I don't know. But is he trying to answer that question by playing it out again with Daniel? Going to give him that actual choice where he's giving him the good, the bad. There's not really that much ugly. They're all very good looking. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, is, he, is he playing that choice out again consciously or subconsciously? Or is he being manipulated to see how Daniel would approach that question. I don't know. I don't know how important that question is to Louis. I would think it's at least one of the questions he has to answer. Would you do it all again? Would you take the gift? I That's a great question. I don't know how Louis would answer that. I hope Daniel asks him that. You know, he he has in the series, as the series goes on, he does say to Dan, he does bring it up to Daniel and yeah. Daniel says, no, I, I don't. Right. I don't. For now. Then, for now is what Daniel has said. Yeah. And we don't know what we don't know. We don't Correct. know how much interaction Louis, we know that Louis and Armand and Daniel, different from the book, but in, in the, in the TV series universe, 
had interaction in 1973. Armand was there. Right. So we know that that was happening, but... Everybody looking super groovy. I know, they really were. (laughs) (laughs) Daniels, he's going to have at least a good chunk of the information, and is he going to do it? And maybe Louis is going to use that as some kind of measuring stick against his own choices. Yeah, well, and I mean, also, you can say that somebody could lay it all out for you, and here is what it is like, and... You know, maybe even take you all along for a drive along. I mean, he is. He's feeding yeah. in front of. Yeah. He's feeding in front of Daniel, so Daniel can see what does this look like. This is what this is. This is what this is. And right? maybe it's a less elevated notion. Maybe he just wants to see if I give Daniel all the information and he chooses the dark gift, that makes me feel better about having it. Yeah. Because Daniel is. Yeah, I a like truth that. Teller, theory, cynical. So if he thinks it's a good idea, then I'm justified. That's maybe. interesting. All right, guys, I think that's a wrap. We will be going over list.net. If you want to keep up with us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at Vampire underscore Insider. So we're on Reddit and Facebook as well under Vampire Insider. That's it for tonight. Thank you, guys. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Bye, Mark. Bye, Christina. Bye. Peace out, Cub Scouts.